Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Hasworld Podcast. We're back after our summer break and I have my usual co-host with me, Jonathan Rabello and Norm Sirik. How you doing, Mike? Good. How you doing? Good. Hi, guys. Hey, Norm. So it's been an eventful summer for the on the Habs front. Lots of news coming out, uh, even though there was no playoff action, but uh, there's still lots to discuss. Uh, we'll start off with uh, some of the important hirings they made first thing uh, after the season was over, and then we'll get into the draft a little bit, and then we'll talk about uh, all the work Bergevin has been doing with some signings of UFAs and and uh, some of the restricted free agents as well. So let's get off, get right on it, fellas, and we'll talk about the hiring of Mark Bergevin, which is which was the first order of business. Uh, Mr. Molson uh, took a hands-on approach, it seems, when he he uh, got in there and interviewed, uh, started interviewing prospects for the job uh, before the season ended, actually. So uh, what were your thoughts when they announced that uh, Bergevin would be the guy to take over the reins? I'll start with you, Norm. Yeah, I was I was really pleased with the announcement. Uh, it, it seemed as though they did their homework. They took uh, their time, you know, their due diligence, as they'd say in the business world, interviewing a bunch of people and going through second and third round interviews. It sounds like uh, it was. Um, there were, I think there were two candidates in particular, and and we've talked about these before. But Bergevin, I, I like as a in this role. I mean, he's got enough. Uh, experience in in the uh, head office in different areas, not as a GM obviously, but you know he's done a lot of the other work involved with hockey operations. Uh, he's got some pretty good recommendations from other uh, other folks he's worked with. I mean, one was from Rick Dudley. I had heard a recommendation from him before he'd even been uh, hired on for the job. I guess they're they're pretty tight. And then he went ahead and turns around and, and hires Dudley as one of the front office jobs afterwards too so um yeah so far so good i think i'd, I'd have to say in terms of of the hiring and and the moves uh going forward what about you jonathan um i was pretty happy as well i obviously didn't know a lot about bergevin before the whole interviewing process started but as, as i started to read things on him i developed an appreciation for him and i thought it'd be a great uh transition for the canadians to go from a guy that you know was seen as a recluse and kind of didn't like to talk to anybody to go to like what, what's known as one of the funniest guys in the NHL with Bergevin. It's pretty awesome. I think the players are really going to like him. And I think we are going to talk a little bit later on about the UFAs, but I think Brandon Prust, along with the money, probably really liked a guy like Bergevin, um, especially with what he said he wants the Canadians to be, you know, a team that buys in completely. And he's, you know, said all the right stuff a general manager is supposed to say. But I think that players and um, the players that are both with the Canadians organization now and outside players are going to see a big change um, with the way the organization is run. I think that's a very positive. So I was elated to see the hiring. Yeah, I got to tell you, I was I had kind of mixed emotions when they hired Bergevin because uh, the talent pool, of course, was limited by uh, by who they could hire, basically. And and when you looked at Bergevin, he seemed like the guy who was most prepared for the job. You know, since he finished playing he's been in the front office and like norm said in various positions i think he was assistant gm just last year so it seemed like he was kind of working his way up to it but it is kind of a wild card because he's never been in this position before you know going into montreal canadian's job is not a not an easy one and there's a lot of work to do so i think it can go one or two ways either he'll be seen as 
you know, some kind of up-and-coming genius and, you know, there'll be a great turnaround or he'll, he's going to flop miserably, which I hope it doesn't happen. But, you know, I think it can go one or two ways when you hire kind of a young guy with a little bit, little to no experience in the job. So let's hope, uh, let's hope he, he gets his key decisions right. Well, let, speaking of key decisions, guys, what do you guys think about the Michel Therrien hiring? Huh. That one uh, I wasn't as uh, as happy about. Not because I don't like him particularly, but you know what they they say never to go back, and I just I can't see. Maybe he's older and he's more experienced, and he's kind of calmed down a little bit. But I don't know. I just uh, it just seems like you're kind of recycling the same old guys. Like like uh, I'd rather see a fresh face, especially when you bring in a young GM like that. To like to see something a little a uh, little newer. What about you, Norm? Yeah, I have real mixed feelings about it. I mean, uh, it, I, one of the prerequisites was obviously they wanted a an experienced coach. I mean, that I, message I'd heard loud and clear a number of times from and others, and and I was a little disappointed because I think just a few days before the Terrian hiring, the uh, the Flames uh, managed to, to hire Bob Hartley, and Hartley was a guy I was kind of hoping that uh, they would land in Montreal. But and I think he, I think I'd heard he was even interviewed, but uh, I think Calgary stepped up their their game and made him an offer sooner than, than Montreal did. So uh, so yeah, it's 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 tough because here's a guy who, yes, he's been here before. I mean, he's going to know the expectations. But his first turn through Montreal, he was, you know, the rookie coach, you know, coming right out of, uh, well, was he out of junior or was yeah. he out of the AHL? I think he came right out of junior. Yeah, out of junior, yeah. I, yeah, I thought so. So that's a, it, it is a tough, tough, tough job to begin with, but it's even tougher when you've got, you know, nothing uh, there for your experience. The other thing that bothers me about Terrian is, is he's, uh, you know, he's moved on some other roles in hockey which is good and he's gone on and had another head coaching position which is good too in the NHL uh, with the Penguins but the way that he was dismissed there was doesn't leave me with a warm feeling about his his next you know head coaching position back in Montreal because I mean he was fired mid-season on a team that was a contending team that ended up after they they got a different coach in there and changed the philosophy around you know you know look like um, oh, sorry, I can't remember the Penguins coach right now. Oh, Dan Blasma. Bilesma, yeah. Bilesma, yeah. He took he, him to uh, the finals. Yeah, he took him to the finals. Not just the finals. I think that was there they wanted. They beat Detroit in seven, no, seven I, games. I think. Was I, it the year before? I no, Norm, Norm is correct. Um, okay. the, the year before, okay. Terrian took them to the finals. They lost to Detroit. Right, mm. right, right. And then, then he won the it. following year, he was fired midseason. Bilesma came in and won the Stanley Cup. But we can't forget either, though. That I believe the Penguins added Sergei Gonchar last year won the Cup, and Chris Kunitz. So, I, I think they did add some serious pieces to their lineup before they won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, now I'm not I'm, I'm not being a huge Michel Therrien proponent. In fact, I would say I was pretty disappointed when he was hired. Uh, he wasn't the person I was looking for. Um, again, I'm just an armchair GM, so I'm sure Bergevin looked into the options and hopefully he made a good decision. I hope Therrien's grown up. Um, He's definitely spent some time in the NHL. It's been 10 years since he coached here. Um, so I'll have to say the jury's out until we see him coach for a year or two. I really hope a rush judgment's not made. This is uh, He will be coming in to coach a team that 
Um, you know, let's not kid ourselves. They finished 15th in the Eastern Conference last year, dead last. So almost anything will be an improvement, but I think he definitely needs some time. Um, and I, I like that he'll have a couple players that he coached before in Colby Armstrong and uh, Francis Bolino. I think that'll, you know, that, that those players signed in Montreal after they knew who the coach was is a little bit of a good feeling to me. Yeah, I... Well, I, I tell you the one thing that bothers me, and I don't know if this is just something that sticks in my head from his time in Pittsburgh, is that press conference he had where he talked about the dis- <laughs> defense core. You know, I think their their goal is to be the worst defense core in the league. You know, and he just kind of dished on his own players in public. And uh, I know that was kind of I think that might have been his first year in Pittsburgh, but just stuff like that you, you can't do that in Montreal and. Or else, uh, you know, they're going to eat you alive. So, like you say, I hope he's he's grown up and he's kind of matured a little bit and he, he can handle the, the, the pressure cooker that's going to be, you know, Montreal press conferences. But he's going he's gonna to have a lot of pressure on him. And, and I know they're starting from scratch. They, they finished in last place. But he, you're, they're not going to uh, stand for another 15th place finish this year, right? So, I mean, he, he doesn't have free reigns. They're, they're going to have to see some improvement. So, uh I think uh, I think we can all agree the jury's out on Terry, and then he's gonna have to kind of prove it on the ice, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. He he really has to do something to to you know reshape the team philosophy, uh, get the players to buy into whatever system he deems is, is fit to uh, to to make use of Montreal this season coming up. And uh, and let's hope it uh, it all works because let's face it they can't get much worse at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think the fans if the fans can see that the team is playing you know putting in an effort and they're not making stupid mistakes, you know if they're be- getting beat by better teams, I mean Montreal fans are smart enough to see that. But if if they see that they're they don't make uh, defensive mistakes and they're they're all working hard. Then, uh, then I think you know they'll accept that the coach is doing his job because that's basically all he can do, right? Back onto the Bergevin thing uh, quickly. One thing I forgot to mention: the thing I was most concerned with was um, changes he would make to the front office, and in particular, one change I did not want to see made, which will kind of lead us into the draft, was Trevor Timmons. So the thing I was most excited about in the Bergevin interview, or shortly after, is when he said he thinks Timmons is awesome and he'll be sitting next to him at the draft table, because I was actually a little bit scared that he. You know, take out the head of pro, head of amateur scouting and and put somebody else in there. Uh, and I do also like the other hirings he's made as well with Marty Lapointe and Patrice Brisebois. I think adding a lot of people with a lot of different opinions and from different backgrounds can really help uh, a management team. Yeah, I, I agree with you with you on that first point. And it was funny. I, I read uh, afterwards that uh, somebody had interviewed Timmins and uh, asked him about that that comment that uh, Bergevin made, and he said. Uh, well, it's nice to hear. I hadn't even talked to Mark Bar- Bar- Bergevin when he made that statement, but it's good uh, to get a vote of confidence before you even talk to your new boss, I guess. Well, all Bergevin has to do is look at the track record. Like, since his joint Habs, they either have the most or the second most drafted uh, players to play an NHL game, and I think they have the most total games played combined, or pretty close to it, that, um, since he's taken over the director of scouting for the Canadians. So all he has to do is look at the track record, basically. Yeah, well, yeah. Too bad a lot of those games are with other teams, so. <laughs> well, then that, that, that has to do with the general managers trading away players before they uh, they reach their development. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's a so good thing. That, that has nothing to do with Timmons. Like the fact that um, Ryan McDonough is a 
number one or number two defenseman on the New York Rangers is not Timmons' fault. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that that's a good segue to get into the draft, and we'll uh, we'll discuss the. It's the first. The first thing we should discuss is the the number three overall pick. Uh, I don't know who you guys were hoping for, but uh, I mean, because uh, they they didn't have number one, we weren't going to get nailed. So Galchenyuk was the guy I was hoping for, even with the the injury history. But uh, he was the guy I was looking for—a big, strong centerman who's got uh, tons of potential. So, what do you guys uh, think about uh, the decisions they made in the draft, there, Jonathan? Well, I think if actually, if the listeners listen to the very first podcast, I think the first time we talked about the thing, I might have said like "tank for Gregorenko" or "suck for Alex Galchenyuk." And uh, by the time the season ended, I was definitely on the Galchenyuk bandwagon. I was actually watching the draft uh, here at my house with a couple of beers all by myself and uh, had a couple of uh, buddies on uh, speakerphone as well. And we were all going nuts when the Habs drafted Galchenyuk. The second I heard Sarnia sting, I was elated. The, the, the kid uh, has incredible potential. And whether he reaches it or not, of course, was still we'll wait and see. But you got to love his size, his drive, and that he's recovered from his injury well. Um, I read some stuff recently about how he's been doing at the U.S. Uh, development camp there for the tournament they're about to play, the Ivan Halinka tournament, I think it is. Um, and just all the comments about him, you know, his timing's a little bit off, but just saying that his skill, size, and drive is just incredible, that the U.S. development program doesn't have anybody like him in the system, and uh, they haven't had anyone like him in the system for a long time. To me, that sounds amazing. Yeah, what do you think, Norm? Oh yeah, completely in agreement. I, I was I was geeked and watching the uh, the draft when it was live, and after I saw the first two picks, I, th- I just kept hoping that uh, they would pick uh, Galchenyuk. Uh, there were so many rumors going on uh, leading up to the days before, you know, possibility of Edmonton either trading the pick or trading down or swapping with Columbus or, you know, lots of things going along. Columbus supposedly was quite keen on Galchenyuk as well, so that's that was my biggest fear. Is after number two was announced that uh, I, I had a really Good feeling that uh, the Habs were going to take him. Yeah, he fits all the categories. I mean, obviously they need, they need size at center. They need, and he's a type of player who's already a, a very good two-way player. Uh, good, he's got the size. He's got the commitment to the uh, athleticism. Uh, guy's apparently quite the uh, quite the uh, not major of the weight room. I mean, he's he's done really well, and he blew away a lot of people at the Combine, too, back in May. You know, just, So, everything's looking good for him. I mean, it seems like he's recovered from his knee uh, surgery. Uh, you, know, you know, and, the th- and talk, or from reading some other updates since uh, when the Habs did their development camp, he's, he's impressed a few people there, too. So, everything's looking good, with certainly with their first pick overall, and I have to say a lot of their other picks from Saturday as well. They've all, uh, all seemed to have had... Uh, pretty uh solid draft this year yeah so maybe just uh pick out one of the guys that uh that you were kind of surprised that they got after galchenyuk i should say sure um okay i'll go first uh the there was a fellow in the third round uh tim boson i thought he was it was a, an interesting kind of a pick because although he's not real huge he's he's only six foot oh uh, but the guy's like a pure goal scorer, and he's got good Bo- wheels. on six feet? Yeah, that's what I was reading about him. Okay. Six foot one, apparently. Oh, you you see six foot one? Okay. I might have been reading an earlier report maybe a year ago. Have, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe that's with skates on. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, 178 pounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. but, yeah uh, well, six foot one. I, for some reason, I thought he was smaller. 
Yeah, so he's he's one in particular that really excited me. I mean, because here's a Swiss, another Swiss kid who uh, first year in, in junior uh, really lights it up. A you know, point a game, 36 goals, uh, you know, decent playoffs, just everything really positive. I, I, you know, it's those kind of surprise picks. Who, he could be another type of player like a Brendan Gallagher or somebody who seems to be overlooked by a lot of players because for physical reasons, really, but on skill, like the guy's got it. What about you, Jonathan? Who who surprised you out of the uh, the draft picks from the Habs? Um, I'd have to say Sebastian Kohlberg. Um, Norm, you and I both participated in the Habs World mock draft. I think I had the Senators taking him at like 15 or 16, wherever they picked one, because he's a sweet, of course. Um, but the kid from every red, best shot in the draft. Like he's got the best release, um, and if you watch any of his highlights, highlight reel goals from the shootout, the kid has hands too. So. Um, I, I was shocked. In fact, like at the end of the first round on Friday, I was hoping Montreal was going to package those two second-round picks to move up in the draft to get Colbert. Little did I know they could sit there and pick him at 33. Like I was shocked. Even Timmons said he was shocked because that's a guy that I'd been reading about maybe for uh, maybe a month before the draft, and a lot of people projecting him. I think even Bob McKenzie had him in his top 20. So um, I, I was I was elated to get him at 33. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say Colbert as well because. Uh, He's probably one of the few guys that I'd heard of in the later rounds after the first round. And uh, so I was surprised he was still there in the second round. And it kind of makes you wonder what uh, maybe it was just uh, based on needs. You know, some teams needed defensemen and they didn't want a, a winger or something. But it is surprising that he made it to the second round because uh, he did have uh, kind of a name for himself. I think there were a lot of defensemen selected in the first round. So maybe that was... Yeah, the most ever. One point about uh, Bozon, Norm, not sure if you heard heard this, but did you hear why he chose the WHL when he came to North America? No, I didn't. Um, well, like they asked, like they, they, he was talking about whoever he asked to talk to to decide which league he wants to play in. And the question he asked the person who, decide, who puts him in that league was, which league has the biggest defenseman? And they said the WHL, and that's why he chose to go out west. Wow, interesting. It's pretty, it's pretty neat to hear. And I guess uh, there's another story too. So maybe he's not tip. the maybe he's not the smartest guy in the. <laughs> 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 or maybe he knows he can get around those bigger guys because they're a little slower. But there's another story as well. Timmons went to go see him play, and I guess in the first period he got drilled and drilled over the boards or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, like left the game and came back, and in the third period dropped the mitts with a much bigger guy and got his like got his butt handed to him. He got destroyed in the fight. But Timmons loved this. Like, the guy he fought was much bigger than him. But Timmons said that that was something that he really liked to see is that he's a competitor, you know what I mean? Nobody fights his battles for him. Like, this kid will go and do it himself, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. Spe- speaking of competitiveness, too, I, I have to admit, I like that uh, Dalton thrower, the guy, the defenseman they got in the second round. Gotta I love mean, his name, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and he lives up to it. I mean, the guy's got 103 penalty minutes last season, and, you know, he's not going to back down from anybody from what I've been reading since they drafted him. And, and he's got some offense to his game. I mean, 18 goals for a defenseman. Yeah, he's points. a teammate of Darren Dietz as well, which is nice. Right, right, another prospect. So, I mean, obviously they uh, they were checking out Dietz and, and saw a little bit something that they liked in Thrower and then were lucky enough to get him with their 51st pick. Yeah, Thrower was another guy, Norm, you and I both had in our top uh, 30 picks for our Habsrail draft. Yep, yep. Yeah, so pretty pleased there. So, I mean, these are just some of the examples. I mean, even the late, later round guys, they, you know, they've got a lot of them have strong, or a whole strong character players, and they need. That's fine. I mean, you know, the organization can 
use more of that, I, think, I believe. Yeah, she was getting the uh, prospects were getting pretty thin there, especially uh, in Hamilton and, and down lower. So I think this drive, there's a lot of uh, a lot of media types were, were saying that Canadians, kind of based on initial initial thoughts, were the winners of uh, winners of the draft. So let's hope uh, let's hope they pan out. I mean. Media guys aren't always right, but let's hope it hands out and uh, we get at least uh, two or three quality quality players out of it. Yeah, you never know. And, yeah, and, two, or th- and two or three NHLers and one star. Alex Kelchenyuk, that's all I ask. Yeah. That's it. That's, <laughs> it. that's a successful draft. <laughs> For so, sure. So maybe we'll move on to uh, some of the signings that uh, Bergevin's been making. Uh, let's start with some of the UFAs because uh, there were a couple, couple names out there, maybe not... Uh, the kind of the go-to big name guys that uh, people were talking about, but what uh, is there any of the uh, of the guys that they they picked up in early July that kind of has you excited? Uh, I mean Armstrong, Prust, any of them? <laughs> well, I definitely have to say I'm excited about Prust since I already own a Prust jersey now. Um, I I actually was starting to look through the UFAs in November and December, and I knew Montreal needed toughness. And they definitely overpaid for Press. Like, he's definitely getting way more money than a fourth liner should. Um, He can, you know, contribute on the penalty kill. And I think one season he did have 13 goals, but whatever, $2.5 million for um, what he brings to the table really is too much. But for a team like Montreal that really lacks toughness, they they weren't bringing Stobbitz back. Um, you know, th- this guy led the league in, I think, uh, fighting majors last year. Um, it's not like he's going to win all his fights. He fought Milan Lucic twice and didn't get his shoulder t- torn out. My <laughs> commissaric. Um, so I- I'm elated to have this guy on the team. Great team player. I-, I was actually just watching something. Somebody posted a video. He runs a charity golf tournament in London, and he had a lot of ex-teammates there as well, which is obviously a good sign. He's obviously going to be a team, a good team guy, which most most physical uh, Knuckle dro- or, uh, glove droppers usually are good team guys, but uh, I have to say I'm pretty excited about Brandon Prest. Yeah, what about you, Norm? Yeah, I, I echo those uh, those sentiments too. Uh, I mean, I was out of all of the signings, Prest in particular is the one I, I like the most. Yeah, he's going to definitely bring the toughness that they need. Uh, from what I've heard too, he's a pretty good penalty killer. So I mean, you know, if he's a hard worker, he's going to endear himself to the fans of Montreal pretty quickly. And I don't know if you guys have read this uh, little-known fact, but uh, apparently uh, Prust's girlfriend is from Montreal, so I have to think that was a factor in the signing. <laughs> Not only from Montreal, she's a supermodel. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw a few links there when, when they signed, when he signed anyway. Did you actually hear about how they signed him? How Tarion went to go deliver him a jersey in London? No, I didn't hear no, that. No, I didn't hear that. Oh, so Tarion, like, on July 1st, flew to London with a press jersey, maybe two of them, maybe one for their kid as well, because I think I saw a picture that his girlfriend tweeted of a little kid with a press jersey too, but Tarion actually delivered a number eight Brandon Press Montreal Canadiens jersey to his door on July 1st in London. Hmm, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm surprised that Montreal hasn't retired number eight. <laughs> for for Dick Duff? <laughs> well, just I just thought that all the single digits were gone, maybe. Actually, no, six, eight, and is there one more? No, just six and eight. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, no, uh, I guess, yeah, Press would, would probably be the, the one I'd pick out, too. I mean, Armstrong is is pretty much a, a – there's no risk, really, with that one. I mean, for a million dollars, you can't really go wrong with that because 
I mean, if he, even if he doesn't play more than 30 games or something, it's still not a huge loss. So uh, that's kind of a no-risk signing, and Pruss would probably be the kind of the one name that uh, that was known. It's still debatable what he can bring to the team. I'm never a big fan of uh, guys who only bring toughness. So hopefully he brings. A little it's bit not of just toughness, though, Mike. He, he, as Norm said, he does kill penalties. Um, his offensive contribution, he really only has one. Has had one big year. But I really don't think you can knock a guy that can actually, like, he can play the game. I agree with you, Mike, in terms of having a guy that can just fight, like a Brandon yeah. Stop, like Stobitz was. Right. But but Brandon Press can really play. So oh, well, that's I'm it. excited We'll, we'll see. If, like, if he could put up, whatever, 25 points or something, then and for sure it would be a, be, a, be a good signing. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how he does. I'm just, the jury's still out for him in my books, but uh, we'll see. Just it's just the number that that gets me. I'm I'm never. It, it always seems like you're always gonna have to overpay when it comes to UFAs in early July. So, what, what is the salary cap at? I I forget. Is it seventy two million? Well, that's a that's a little debatable. I think it's something like that, but you know it all depends what happens with the negotiations, right? So, like, because if you really think about it, like Brennan Press makes three percent of the Hab salary cap. I think the the cap is seventy point two million. Okay, or whatever he makes. Even if he makes five percent of the salary cap, that leaves ninety-five percent to fill the rest of the roster spots. Uh, it is overpayment, but I'm not too worried about it. So, I guess uh, we talk about overpayment. Let's uh, let's move on to some of the signings that they made, the re-signings they made. Uh, we'll start with the big one. There was two big ones kind of going into the summer. Price and Subban were the two uh, two restricted free agents. So. What do you think of uh, Carey Price's new contract, which is, I believe, six years, and what is it, $6.5 million per year? Uh, what were your thoughts, Norm, when you first saw the, the number and the, and the term? Um, I, I thought it was a little high, but, I, but not terribly so. You know, it's, uh, it's nice to know that the Habs have him tied up long-term for six years. Uh, like, personally, if I was a GM, I, I, I would have thought... I would have been uncomfortable with anything more than five years. And I think they can only insure up to seven years, too, for all the players. But but um, the length of the term, it's not that bad, and, the, and even the amount is not that bad. I mean, it's, it's a little high, but like you were saying, it seems like sometimes you have to overpay a little for some of the players, even if they're your own players. I mean, you, there's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. You, you know, you want to show some commitment to the player so that they show the commitment back to, to you as a team. And, uh, and, and there's no doubt that Habs are fully committed to price. They, they really don't have anything else for prospects in the system. Nobody really pushing them. So, you know, it's, it's sink or swim. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jonathan? Uh, Term or price didn't really bother me. Um, uh, $6.5 million is what you're going to have to pay for a goalie of Price's caliber. In my opinion, he's a guy who can play 65 games a season, 70 games a year. He's shown that he can play that many. Uh, he, he, he's a winner. I hope one day he lifts that silver cup in Montreal. But uh, I, I love the guy. There, there's probably not too many other goalies in the league I'd take over him. I'd probably put him in my top five. A lot of people argue that. Maybe you say I'm a homer, but I love the kid. I think he's got great lateral movement. I think he's big in the net. Um, I also think he has the right mentality to play in Montreal. 
I think he's pretty easy going. I think there's a lot of goalies that wouldn't be able to handle it. Like, I don't think I don't think Henrik Lundqvist could play in Montreal. I really don't think that he he could. He, he can't even play Montreal on a road game. He says the crowd's too loud. Like he he's a goalie who could you could say is better than Carey Price, but you got to have the right head too to play in a city where everywhere you go people know who you are. Lundqvist, if he wasn't, uh, you know, New York City's top bachelor, probably could walk down the street and nobody would know who he is because there's. 10 million people in New York City or 20 million people in New York City. Price is in the, the center of the hockey universe. Yeah. I got to say, I agree with Norm a lot because uh, when I first saw the number, 6.5 million for six years, I was, a little, I was a little disappointed that they paid that much. But I think, like you say, there, there really isn't a whole lot of choice. When If, if let's say, the, the unthinkable happened and they didn't he didn't sign and he got he went to another team how much would you have to pay to get another goalie to come in and do what he does right so I guess uh, I'm sure Bergeron would probably say the same thing if you got him in a room there and a couple of whiskeys in him he'd probably say it was a little more than what he wanted to pay but but I guess that's pretty much what the going rate nowadays so anyway I kind of shake my head and say yeah that's uh, that's uh, reasonable I guess I not much more I can say about that. Uh, anybody else that they signed? Maybe uh, I guess. Well, they re-signed Travis Moen. They probably gave him a little bit longer. I think they signed him for four years. Yeah. Four gave him a little years. bit longer term, but he's making less than two million dollars. And for a guy like Travis, uh, you know, very good third liner, great penalty killer, has chipped in on the second line, shows a little bit of offensive flash. You know, definitely more offensive flash than a Brandon Prest. A um, little bit less fighting, but uh, I think that's g- good dollar value for, for Moen. Uh, maybe a little bit too long of a term because he's four years, but he's actually only 29 years old, which uh, a lot of people don't think he would be. Yeah, no, I know. He, he won that cup in Anaheim, and people always think he's like a 33-year-old guy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I have really no problem with that with that deal either. Yeah, I, I, that was a pretty good signing. I mean, Moen's been a good uh, a good good player for Montreal for the last few years so I think that there might have been a bit of a, a reward for kind of his previous service here so yeah and let's look at at the back end with in terms of like the bottom uh two lines for the for the Habs I mean having a healthy Travis Moen now having a, a Brandon Prust having a, a healthy Ryan White while well, he was out for most of the season uh you, you know you start developing some more toughness back on the back end, you know, and I'm hoping that Terrian as a coach is going to, well, obviously acknowledge it, but use it, you know, to its full potential, make it, I want the Habs to be more of a, a tough team to play against when they, when the visitors come into Montreal, because last season that went out the window. It was Montreal was one of the easiest teams to take points uh, away from for the, for a visiting team. And that really, that just annoyed me to no end. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you hear the Brennan Prust uh, media interview? No, no. Um, so when he got interviewed by the media after he was signed, he was actually brought that up, saying how uh, Moan and don't have to go it alone anymore, and that he's gonna he's gonna make it a lot more difficult for teams to come into Montreal. Like they're he says they're gonna hate playing in Montreal after uh, after after start seeing me in the lineup. It's not gonna be any fun to come to Montreal anymore. So I like to hear Impress say that. Awesome. That's that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah, and, and not necessarily just for the fighting, but you know, you like a team that. That skates hard and forechecks, and there's big hits all the time. You know, and not, it's not just the fighting; it's kind of oh, just the all-around physical play. And if they can yeah. bring that and allows Tyrion to roll four lines, 
you know, you got the top three lines that are contributing, and then you got a fourth line that's kind of an injury line. It throws a big hit, kind of can One swing, other... swing momentums in the game, then and they're pretty much doing their job right there, right? Another good thing I didn't bring up about Prust is he likes to run goalies. And I don't know about you, but I love players like that because it seems like Price is getting run all the time. It'd be nice to have a player, you know, returning the favor to the opposition. Yeah, that's a good point. That did happen a lot last season. Yeah. So maybe we'll uh, we'll go on to kind of our last topic, which is uh, the ongoing PK Subban negotiations. Uh, I guess the latest news I heard, anyway, was uh, there was a an offer made of two years, five point five million, I think it was. So I think that was probably just a maybe just a initial offer i don't know how serious that was because was that two years 5.5 million each year no no or two total okay total yeah so so that would have made him the fourth highest paid defenseman on the team behind markov caberlet and george's so and significantly behind those three guys so that uh it's probably just an initial offer but uh what are your feelings about uh how it's kind of been dragging on a little bit i mean uh there's still another month before training camp starts, if it does start. But uh, are, you, are you starting to get a little nervous, or uh, what? Are you, what are your thoughts there, Norm? Well, nervous. It's it's all relative. I mean, just two seasons ago, we were we were all probably thinking the same thing about Carey Price because it took until September before the Habs could get him signed under a contract. And you never know. Maybe this is part of the posturing that goes on with uh, his agent. Uh, because, I mean, Bergevin seemed to have been fairly diligent with with uh, not only the UFA signings, but then, you know, treating the uh, the RFAs and, uh, and, you know, getting them signed up relatively quickly. I mean, some guys went quicker than others, but not you, there always seemed to be some some movement going on in July. So it's hard to say. It's um, PK is not in much of a position right now. I mean, because I don't think they filed for arbitration. So that no, window's didn't. gone. Yeah. So uh, and let's face it, he's he's in his he's finished three years professionally. His first year was practically all in the uh, in the AHL. He had a cup of coffee for a couple games, but he's been a lower playing player for two seasons, no doubt. Uh, it's just uh, you know he's not quite there to be able to demand a whole lot more than than I think what's been out there for the rumored uh, salary. I, I think that's pretty fair, and if uh, I, I'm hoping that. It doesn't take too much longer to, to wrap this one up in it because I don't think he's in a position to, to be able to get a whole lot more. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Jonathan? You'd probably give him another $8 million or something a year, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, I probably would not give him $8 million a year. Um, what, I th- what I imagine the battle is now is probably something probably something to do with term. Montreal probably wants it to be a two-year deal, so that way when this contract expires, he's still an RFA, and they can, you know, kind of like what they did with Price. You know, give me give me two years at a decent amount of money and say, you know, show me what you got, and then and then you got the big payday. And they could be talking about something similar like that with PK. Um, if it was me, what I would do with PK is I, I'd probably sign him to one of those really economically long deals. I, I I'm usually pretty wary of those, oh, but I really think PK Subban is a uh, top 15 defenseman in the NHL. Maybe not right now, but in a couple of years he will be. I think he'll be a Norris candidate at some point in his career. Um, I, I think I think he's incredible. I think he does it all. 
He really like he, when they first drafted him, he was known as a flashy offense-only defenseman. You know, I think he was a plus ten last year on the you know twenty-seventh ranked team in the NHL. The kid can bring it. He he's made Josh Georges look better. He made Hal Gill look better. I know Hal Gill was very good defensively, but Subban really allowed the puck to come out of the zone. If it was Hal Gill and somebody else back there, I don't know if that puck would have ever got out of the zone because Gill's not the fleetest of foot. So I, I think PK's awesome. I, if it's two years, I imagine it'll be a little bit less money, somewhere in the $3 million range. Um, but I, I would be very happy if they sign him for six, seven, eight, nine, or ten, especially if they are putting a contract restriction. That would be something that they could bring up with is, you know, that's big, long, eight-year deal now. The longest deal you're going to get after the new CBA goes through is only going to be four or five years. Yeah. I got I to gotta say, Jonathan, I'm not sure if I'd enjoy you being a Montreal Canadiens GM. Because uh, <laughs> I don't, I hate those long-term deals, and they just seem. I don't know. They kind of scare me, but I think they're advantageous if they lower the cap hit. Yeah, but it just seems like there's more, uh, more of them become like an albatross around the team's neck than kind of succeed. And I understand your fears, and I usually yeah. am afraid of those deals. I can just but see I- something with Subban getting an injury and then not being the same ever again, or something. It, it's just a. And I, I, I would be leery of giving him a long deal because in my mind, you know, I love the guy too. He's probably the, well, he's the most exciting guy in the team to watch, and and uh, you know, he brings people to the game. But he's still a wild card in my books. I mean, I still uh, kind of agree with Jacques Martin a little bit there because he's he's not he's not like an all-around defenseman, uh, even though he did. He was put in a position kind of at the end of games to shut shut the other team down, but he's just he still seems like he was making some mistakes, and I, I he hasn't shown enough to me. Well, well that's going to gonna happen with any young defenseman. You can't but, you can't rush this stuff or expect them to be you know the best in the world right away. No, but you can't expect him at this stage to be a Shea Weber or something like a franchise defenseman either because you never know he might not he might have hit a ceiling right now you never know so when you when you say a franchise defenseman Mike what do you, do you mean like a top five defenseman in the league or do you mean a top 30 no I mean like a top five defenseman in the league okay yeah and I don't that, think that, he's if, the, I don't think he's in the top five yet but I I, I think that's well within his grasp like, I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibilities. In fact, I think it's almost a guarantee, barring some type of crazy injury, that he will become one of the best five defensemen in the NHL. I don't know. What, what about you, Norm? What would you think if uh, Bergevin gave him an eight to ten year deal or something? <sighs> yeah, I, th- I think tough. you're. I think you're on my side. Uh, well, I'm a little bit closer to your side than Jonathan's. So like, I, I mean, personally, of course, I'd love to see the guy play every single game of his career in Montreal. Don't get me wrong. It's just, yeah, the length of the contracts. Uh, like I was saying earlier, I mean, five year, outside of five years, it's it, they start to scare me. And and I don't know what it is. It's just maybe so, I'm just too old-fashioned thinking yeah. when it comes to this. I'm just not in the modern <laughs> era. I don't know. <laughs> There's so many things can change in five years. I mean, uh, yeah, like a guy can peak, play two or three great years, and then just, I mean, look at Scott Gomez, for God's sakes. Look so do the, do, the price and, do the Price and George's deals bother you guys? A little bit. I mean, uh, I he got six years, I think it was, right? So They both got six. Yeah, so he yeah. he got a long term. He, he's done it in the league a long time, and, and he's not the he's not an offensive guy, so it seems, you know, offensive guys seem to kind of peak and, and trough a little bit more than 
Georges, who's basically whose job is to to play solid defensive hockey and block shots. I mean, you can still do that when you're 35 years old, right? So, but I can make the argument that Josh Georges is a lot more likely to experience a major injury because of all the extra shots he blocks. So you should be less uh, likely to give somebody like that a long-term deal. Or Carey Price, he's getting pucks blasted at him all the time. Yeah, but if, if I don't know with the new CBA, but the old one, if it's a long-term injury, you could put him on uh, the long-term injury list and he's off your cap, right? Well, yeah, that's the same thing for the PK deal now. No, but I, I was thinking not injury, but like maybe. Okay, PK decline in play. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what worries I, me. I understand your argument, and yeah, usually I don't like those deals. But I, I, I don't ever want to see PK play anywhere else. And again, that that opinion could change. I, you know, I I just love the kid, and I, I just never want to see them do silly little trade him either, because if they trade him, it's going to be Chris Chelios times two. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, this he, he's something special. Yeah, I I I agree with you there. It's, it's if they do trade him, he will probably he probably will come back to haunt us for the next 15 years. I can just see that. So, I mean, uh, there there's still room in the cap to give him. A little bit more than they offered him, so I'm sure that'll get done. He'll get, like you say, probably three to three and a half million. Since we're all in agreement there, maybe that's a good place to end it because uh, we got through quite a bit there. There's been a busy summer for the Habs. Usually, uh, usually it's pretty boring, but uh, I guess with the a new a new regime and uh, kind of a new look on the team, there's been a been a lot happening. So uh, we'll put a put a stamp on it there, and we'll call it a night, fellas. Sounds like a plan. Talk to you guys when training camp starts. If and when uh, the new season starts, eh? I pray every night before bed, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I should do that too. <laughs> All right. Till then, fellas. Good night, guys. Bye. Good night. If there's a goal that everyone remembers, it was back in 072. We all squeezed the stick and we all pulled the trigger.